0: The Blevins Franks Report with Rob K of Blevins Frank's Wealth Management. It's that time here on Rivia Radio where we talk to Rob Kay. How are you, Rob?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Howard. Yourself?
0: I'm very well indeed, thank you very much. Good. Well, the last few months have, to say the least, been turbulent from a political perspective in the UK. The rumour mill is now gathering speed ahead of the Autumn Statement, which has been delayed until the seventeenth of November. And this week's questions were once again being asked about the pension triple lock system. For many of our listeners, UK pensions are their main source of income. So this week I'd like to interrogate UK pensions and understand what we need to know. But first, what news, financial or Lava, caught your eye this past week?
1: Well, um... Lots of people have enjoyed a, a shortened week this week, Howard, with uh, All Saints' Day, uh, Toussaint, as it's known here in France, falling on Tuesday. People took the opportunity and did the, did the Pont on Monday, creating a four-day break. This coming week is also only a four-day week because next Friday there's another public holiday to mark Armistice Day. Now, as usual, November is quite a significant month from a changes perspective in France. From the first of November. Landlords can't evict tenants until the 31st of March next year, and energy producers can't cut electricity or gas supplies if their customers fail to pay their bills. Since Tuesday, if you're driving in mountainous areas where winter tyres or snow chains are required, you will risk a fine of €135 if you're not complying with the rules. Now, that said, also on Wednesday, the government then announced that fines wouldn't be handed out for non-compliance until... they said at least the end of 2022. Obviously, that can be extended again. Financially speaking, November 15th is always an important day in France. If you're still obliged to pay tax debit asset and you don't pay online, November 15th is your deadline. The deadline for online payments is then November 20th. And if you set up a direct debit, the money will be taken from your bank account on November 25th. Also on November 15th, the government will reduce the fuel discount being applied at all of France's petrol stations, from 30 cents per litre down to 10 cents. This change was supposed to happen on the 1st of November, but the government extended the scheme because of of the disruption caused by the recent strikes. I'm sure we will once again see very long queues at fuel stations as people fuel up before the prices go up. Now, the French government also announced this week a series of new immigration measures, including the new titre de séjour in demand for workers, tougher rules on ordering uh, on orders to leave France, and a proposed French language test for partners of the uh, under the titre de séjour, um, we will be tough on misbehaviour and kind with rule abiders," said Interior Minister Gerald Daminan and Work Minister Olivier Duspot. Daminan said, We want to make multi-year titre de séjour conditional on passing a French language test. It will change a lot of things. Today, a quarter of foreigners with titre de séjour speak and understand French very poorly. Currently, those seeking multi-year cards are asked to take language lessons if their French is poor, but they're not obliged to already have a certain level, and they don't need to take a test. And finally... What must be one of the most bizarre and comical takeovers concluded this week when Elon Musk was forced to spend $44 billion buying Twitter, which he agreed to buy back in April when the economy was stronger and Twitter's share price was far higher. He immediately fired the chief executive, the finance chief and the policy head, which then cost him another $104 million. While many users mourned about the end of social media as we know it, save a thought for Musk's banks led by Morgan Stanley, which Musk convinced to lend him $13 billion to finance the deal. Since they agreed, interest rates have soared and they could lose at least $1 billion if they try to sell on those loans in the open market. It also won't help that Musk repeated his previous statement, that he didn't buy Twitter, which has been loss-making for virtually its entire existence, to make more money, but to help humanity, whom I love, he said. It's just goes to prove, how we shouldn't take everything in life probably too seriously. I go along with that, I say.
0: So, Rob, why were UK pensions back in the news again this week?
1: Well, taxes are expected to rise for everyone in the UK, as Rishi Sunak's government looks to plug the £50 billion fiscal black hole which was left by the former Prime Minister, Liz Truss's recent mini-budget. The current Chancellor... Um, Jeremy Hunt is reportedly looking to implement twenty five billion worth of tax rises alongside twenty five billion in spending cuts just to balance the books. The policies hunt is rumored, rumored to be planning to exclude in, sorry include extend to the freezing of income tax thresholds and potentially capping public sector pay. Both measures would leave millions of workers hundreds, maybe even thousands of pounds worse off. While Sunak was the Chancellor, he suspended the state pension triple lock for 22-23 to prevent state pensions massively rising on the back of the post-pandemic wage increases. With inflation running rampant, there are fears now that Mr Sunak may suspend the lock again. So far, the Prime Minister has refused to confirm whether he would uphold Truss's promise to increase the state pension in line with inflation. UK government is widely expected to extend the freeze on income tax and national insurance thresholds, which are frozen until the end of 25-26, for a further two years beyond that, or potentially even longer. More and more people are being dragged into higher rate tax bans because the threshold remains fixed while wages rise. Over the past 20 years, average wage growth has been around 3% per year. The Centre for Business and Economic Institute estimates a two-year extension would drag another 2.2 million taxpayers into higher rates of income tax. Now, if wage growth averages 3% per year for the next five years, but income tax thresholds remain frozen, then someone earning £70,000 a year will be £2,000 a year worse off by 2029, and £6,000 poorer over the whole period. Once inflation is taken into account, that damage is even greater.
0: So Rob, uh, can you explain what the UK's state pension triple lock is?
1: Yeah, the, the the triple lock was introduced by by actually by the UK coalition government in its first budget after the two thousand and ten election. So so actually twelve years ago now, the Conservative government, c- government continued with the policy after the fifteen election, and it was an integral part of the agreement with the DUP that kept the Conservatives in government in two thousand and seventeen. There was also cross-party support for the same same arrangements um, in 2019 after the general election. Under the triple lock, the UK state pension is increased every April in line with the highest of either inflation, wage growth or 2.5%. Boosting the state pension by 10.1% in line with the Consumer Price Index, as Mistrust promised, would see pensions get the biggest pay rise ever next April with their weekly pensions rising to £204 a week, which would be £10,600 a year. The conservative-leaning think tank Policy Exchange has said replacing the triple lot with an earnings-based system would save the government £5 billion next year and £11 billion the year after. If the government chooses to increase state pension by the wages growth figure of 5.5%, then pensions will lose a pay rise worth hundreds of pounds a year, at 5.5%, state pensions would rise to £195 a week, which is £10,200 a year. Since it was introduced, there have been arguments for and against the triple look due to the cost and intergenerational fairness. Over the past decade, successive governments have pledged their support for the scheme, so I can't see seeing it being totally removed. However, we soon extract record, clipping the uplift would come as no surprise whatsoever, Time will only tell what else he and Mr Hunt have in store come the 17th 17th of November, when Hunt delivers his autumn statement.
0: There's also been a lot of talk in the press about the UK lifetime allowance. What is it, and does it affect expatriates who are French tax residents?
1: Yeah, I suppose we've got to look back a little bit in history now. Until 2006, subject to contribution caps, which were linked to income, you could save as much as you wanted in a pension. That all changed when Tony Blair and New Labour introduced the lifetime allowance. The lifetime allowance is the maximum amount you can accumulate in pensions before an additional tax charge is applied when you crystallise the fund, which effectively means tapping into it. Break the glass ceiling and any amount accumulated greater than the lifetime allowance is subject to this additional tax charge. If the excess is paid to you as a regular income, then it's taxed at 25%. If the excess is paid as a lump sum, then that tax rate rises to 55%. The charge can be applied either way or as a combination of both, depending on how the excess is taken. We should remember, this is in addition to income tax. Up to 2006, pension contributions could be enormous. Successive governments had offered tax breaks to encourage people to save for their retirements, so they wouldn't be a burden on the state. But importantly, the government could then recoup those tax breaks by continuing to tax pensioners once they retired. In 2012, the coalition government cut the lifetime allowance from 1.8 million to 1.5 million. Then, over the next five years, it was also then gradually shaved down to a million pounds. It then increased in line with the consumer price index until, soon, it froze the allowance last year until 2027, as I mentioned previously. He's back in the news again because there are numerous rumours that the freeze could be extended or the allowance could be drastically cut. Soon as previous raft of freezes are gradually gathering more and more tax revenue but chopping the lifetime allowance to say £800,000 would allow him to tap into the £3 trillion which is sitting in personal pensions and at the moment beyond his grasp.
0: Have there been any developments with the overseas transfer charge? And do expatriates in France have to pay it?
1: Yeah, the the overseas transfer charge was was actually a surprise introduction um, by Philip Hammond, uh, by Philip Hammond, way back in uh, his two thousand and seventeen budget. So as you can see, over the past few years, pension bashing is is fast becoming an Olympic sport for successive UK governments. We're all very aware the UK is no longer a member of the European Union, so it doesn't have to abide by the EU's free movement of capital rules. The overseas transfer charge is still only applied to transfers made outside of the EU or to residents of non-EU jurisdictions, such as Monaco residents. Hammond's announcement brought a shiver to everyone's spine because in the blink of an eye, it could easily be extended to anyone who lives outside the UK. The overseas transfer charge is a simple, or it's simply a withholding tax, an exit tax if you will, which is only applied to pension funds. It would be a very easy way to generate tax revenue because once a pension fund leaves the UK, it isn't liable to UK income tax. It could be viewed, maybe slightly cynically, as we gave you UK tax relief to help you accumulate your pension, which will give you an additional source of income when you retire. But now you've left the UK. So if you want to take your pension with you, we want some of our tax relief back. There are real fears that once the EU left the EU, the overseas transfer charge would be extended to pensions transferred to EU-based cure and people living in the EU. Today, that hasn't happened, but I would suggest we watch this space. If you have a UK pension and you're thinking of transferring it out of the UK, I suggest you don't leave it too late.
0: So, are cure-ups a good option for UK nationals living in France?
1: In in the right circumstances, curops uh, are, are for those you know are, are, are superb. For those listeners not familiar with the acronym, qualifying recognised overseas pension schemes, it, it, it can be a no-brainer. curops are overseas pension schemes, which, as the name suggests, must meet very stringent requirements, which are set by Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. If a curops meets the HMRC requirements, that pension then can be transferred from a UK to that particular curops Now, if transferring is right for your pension, that depends on a myriad of factors, from guarantees offered by your existing scheme to your personal circumstances, your aims, your objectives, and your lifestyle. I recently spoke to a gentleman who contacted me after listening to these broadcasts. He clearly believed that after listening to us for years, he didn't need to take any advice. He actually called me and told me he wanted to transfer his two UK pensions to Cureops. Now, after a fair amount of discussion, he finally agreed we needed to interrogate those pensions before he simply transferred them. As a result of our interrogation, our recommendation was to leave them where they are and start drawing a pension. The reason for that was we discovered in their existing format, they were really valuable, not because of their face value, but because they were taken out years and years ago and actually they carried with them a guaranteed 17% annuity payment which frankly is like receiving free money these days. We also had to tell another gentleman to leave his pensions where he was, or where they were. The reason for that was very simple. He shortly expected to start a new job, which would take him outside the EU. If he'd transfer his pension, he then would have been caught by the overseas transfer charge, because it has a five-year tail. Those cases are just two examples where professional advice was paramount but her professional advice extends to thousands of other cases where a transfer to cure was appropriate. If the lifetime allowance is cut in the autumn statement and the threshold is reduced to just £800,000, the writing is on the wall for anyone with a UK private pension. If that's you, you really need to review your position, your options and more importantly, what you want from your pension. I make no apologies for repeating, Unless it's extended, the overseas transfer charge is still not applied to transfers made by French residents to EU Cure But if the threshold is chopped in the autumn statement, I think it's only a matter of time before the overseas transfer charge is extended. So the expression, use it or lose it, comes to mind. Another important issue which also came up this week, which I should mention, is if you do decide to transfer your pension to a Cure you don't have to convert the pension into Europe's. You can do, but if you want, cure ops can be denominated in sterling, or its assets at least can be held in sterling. Once you get those monies out of the UK, you can forget future changes to the lifetime allowance. Those monies can continue to appreciate without any fear of an attack from the UK taxman. There has always been lots of reasons why expatriates should consider transferring their UK pension to cure-ups. There is certainly nothing we can do for anyone before the autumn statement, which is just around the corner on the 17th of November. But if pensions get a stay of execution, that should give anyone with a UK pension extra impetus to interrogate their pension options now rather than later when it could be too
0: late. When we retire to France, what other issues should we consider?
1: Um, Moving from France to the UK, or actually the other way around, it always presents opportunities because both countries have different tax systems and different tax rules. When we move to a new country, We're very careful, usually, with our belongings. But why we don't apply the same care to our finances is amazing. It takes, um, you know, you can use the advantage of the best of both aspects of each country's tax system. If we do nothing, then just arrive in France with our finances arranged as they were in the UK, we invariably will end up paying more tax than we need to. There isn't one single aspect of either country's tax system that is the same. But a lot of the differences are actually quite subtle. When we sell our main home, we shouldn't pay capital gains tax. But beware, the rules which constitute what qualifies a property as our principal private residence in the UK or our resident principal in France are completely different. Pension income is taxed differently. French income tax is calculated differently. The UK doesn't tax wealth. And when we die, how our succession is taxed and how much tax will be paid is also different. I know it sounds like another mountain to climb when we've all the stress of moving, but taking a little time to consider our move financially will ensure our life in France is subsequently a lot less stressful and certainly a lot less taxing.
0: And finally, what other advice do you have for British expatriates on their pension options in France?
1: Having said that CureOps is is frequently a no-brainer for UK pensions, I would also like to reiterate the importance of taking professional cross-border advice from a specialist company such as Blevins Franks. Unfortunately, pension scams are not restricted to the UK. British nationals living in France and across Europe are being attacked. Pension scammers are parasites. They look for easy targets and unfortunately, Brits with UK pensions are easy targets due to the attractions of transferring and the fact that the current environment can easily be considered a closing down sale. Anyone thinking of transferring UK pensions needs to take advice from a firm regulated by the UK's Financial Conduct Authority and who are also accredited and licensed to give UK pension advice, such as Blevins Franks. Regular listeners to this broadcast will know Blevins Franks are passionate about strategic financial planning. We look at your overall situation from an entirely holistic perspective one aspect of your finances shouldn't be considered in isolation because they're all connected. Blevins Frank's Strategic Financial Planning Service begins with a complimentary meeting. We meet prospective clients on a no fee basis to understand what that person, couple or family is all about and to understand if we can actually help. So if you live in France or you're thinking of living in France and you want to discuss your overall situation, have a conversation with Blevins Franks. Alternatively, if you have a more specific question about anything concerning money or finances, you can also give us a call and speak to one of our local partners. If we can help, we will, but if we can't, we will probably know someone who can. So the telephone number for our office in Valbonne is zero four nine three zero zero one seven eight zero. That's zero four nine three zero zero one seven eight zero. And if our Monaco office is more convenient for you, you can arrange a call or a meeting with one of our Monaco based partners by telephoning Monaco 97775574. That's 97775574. And you can also contact us or find out what's going on at Blevins Franks via the website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com.
0: Many thanks, Rob. It's good to have you here in these volatile times, and we can keep on top of it.
1: Thank you very much, Howard. Have a great week. Look forward to speaking to you next Sunday.
0: Many thanks. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this programme, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493 001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. Are you buying, selling or downsizing property? Talk to Blevins
1: Franks about the tax implications. Besides capital gains and income tax, France imposes a wealth tax on real estate, and you need to plan ahead for succession tax.
0: When moving country, are you better off selling as a French or UK resident? Blevins Franks offers expert advice and tax and estate planning solutions. Call
1: 0493 001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.